Welcome to Killer Women with your host, best-selling author, Danielle Girard. And now, Danielle's next killer woman. Welcome to Killer Women Podcast, a proud member of the Authors on the Air Global Network with more than 4 million listeners. I am your host, suspense author Danielle Girard, and my guest today is Megan Collins. Megan is the author of Thicker Than Water, The Family Plot, Behind the Red Door, and The Winter's Sister. She taught creative writing for many years at both the high school and college level and is the managing editor of Three Elements Literary Review. She lives in Connecticut, where she obsesses over dogs, miniatures, and cake. We're going to have to unpack that, Megan. Welcome. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. This I I was just telling Megan that I'm just back from Ireland and and Scotland, and I actually read uh, Megan's book in Ireland, which is appropriate because she's Irish or her her origins are Irish, and um, Mm -hmm. how much I loved Ireland and how much I love this book. So before we dig into all sorts of things about it that I loved, can you tell our listeners a little about Thicker Than Water? Yeah, so um, Thicker Than Water is about two best friends and sisters-in-law who have been best friends pretty much the sec- since the second they met. Um, and they believe that they have this completely unbreakable bond. They're not only best friends, not only sisters-in-law, but they're business partners too. So they think nothing can come between them. And then one night they find out that the man who connects them, the husband of one, the brother of the other, has gotten into a car accident. And they've now placed him into a medically induced coma. And then while they're at the hospital over the next couple of days, the police show up because in the course of that car accident, they discovered evidence in his car that connects him to his, the murder, this really brutal murder of her of his boss. And so now he is sort of the prime suspect. And these two women are like, no, that's impossible. Like, he obviously can't defend himself because he's in this coma. Um, So we're going to clear his name so that when he gets out, he's not arrested. And so the more that they dig into it, the more things they uncover, the more their opinions on his innocence start to diverge, where one is still more sure than ever that with everything they're finding out, he's totally innocent, while the other is not so sure anymore. And obviously that causes big tension, big rifts that they've never experienced before. Right. And so that is so fun because you can absolutely see they both love him, but there are definitely parts that suggest he was involved. So that is really mm-hmm. fun. Can you, can you tell us the inspiration? Do you remember the sort of where the story or, you know, originated and what it came from? And I'd love to hear about that. Yeah. So it actually, it started with my agent on Twitter one day, she was just doing like kind of a random manuscript wish list type tweet where she just said, she'd love to see a sister-in-law thriller. And I was like, oh, I wonder, like, I wonder what that means, a sister-in-law thriller. I don't even know if she knew for sure, but that was something that she wanted. And so I was in the middle of another book that I was contracted on, but when, when it came time to start thinking of a new thing that was still in my head and I wanted to like be the bestest, most favorite client and get all the gold stars and create the thing that she wanted so bad. I love it. Um, and so I started to think, okay, like what what is that to me? And my books, um, the three before this one, always have a very dysfunctional family at the center of it. 
Um, and so my mind immediately, immediately went to that place. It was like, okay, these two sisters-in-law, they're at each other's throats all the time. And they've even tried to sabotage the other's relationship with the man who connects them. But then he gets murdered and they're the prime suspects and they have to work together to clear their names, which is still like a, a premise that I think is really fun, but it was it was more it was too like in the same vein of things I'd already done of where there's this toxic relationship from the very start and mm -hmm. the book is about trying to see if there's a way to turn that healthy or if you let go of it forever. Um, so I thought I should challenge myself and try to start from the other direction of no, they are they are totally close. They think there's nothing dysfunctional about them at all. And then it's only through this thing that happens that they start to see there have been cracks in this relationship all along and there have been things they haven't told each other and things they haven't really admitted to themselves and everybody's secrets are coming out. I know. I love, I actually love that. I love that. Actually, I love the idea that they're so close that they sort of, you know, they're, they are like sisters and it, this, the relationship is very similar, which is that of course you sort of love each other unconditionally <laughs> until something sort of drives a wedge between you yeah. and the the loyalty to you know the brother husband is sort of the nature of the conflict which I think is so well done so thank you Baba. <laughs> I want to talk about sort of your gen that if this is your this dysfunctional family Megan you know people always ask right like how did you learn about your how did you sort of come up with this being your shit do you want to mm -hmm. share that with us I'm sure you come from a perfectly normal family because those, <laughs> those of us that come from normal families are the ones that write the weird ones but yeah tell us about that where, where does that interest come from um well I think like my after I finished the family plot which was my third novel I started referring to my first three novels as my bad parenting trilogy um because there are models for bad parenthood in all of those but I always talk about how I think um I'm not a parent myself well I I have a stepson but he's like older um so I didn't actively raise him um but I am very interested in the way that our society puts so much pressure on parents to be a certain way and to look like a certain thing and to be perfect and to put their kids into the right schools and get them at this mile marker at this point and all of that. And I thought it, I've been, I've always thought it was really interesting to look at like, what is the opposite of that? What is, what happens when you don't fit that societal idea? Um, and so I've created parents in my first three books in particular um, that just really messed up their kids in a lot of different mm -hmm. ways. And the other thing, um, the other reason I think I'm really drawn to that, to, to dysfunctional families, is that it just creates a lot of great childhood trauma for the characters that then can manifest in adulthood where their story starts or where this their story that I'm writing starts um, in a lot of interesting ways. So, right. you know, I think, and now like so I've sort of been challenging myself, challenging myself with Thicker Than Water and the book I'm writing now to look at like, how can also like a, a seemingly normal childhood mess you up a little bit too? Like what are the things there that put certain beliefs into your head that then right. need to be unwritten? Um, so, so yeah, I mean, I just love exploring all like the dark juicy conflict in family because there's so much there and and all the things that we 
want to say about relationships and explore about that it's it's all within family dynamics of some kind yeah because that's i mean and the funny you know your family isn't chosen so, i mean you know right i mean some of it is you have chosen family but the your family of origin isn't chosen and you have these things that sort of in you know instinctively ingrained in us the way we react to our parents and and our siblings and i find that super interesting you know i don't do you have siblings yes i have one sister yeah and i think i'm the oldest of four and even the like there's a big gap between us and even the way my parents were with my baby brother is so mm -hmm. different than how they were with me and we're all such you know we are all of course the you know the result of different types of parenting so i thought yeah. that was that is super interesting and this is your um this you know this is your sweet spot this sort of just you know the dysfunctional family but also these familial relationships mm -hmm. i mean you do you know the idea that you're sort of stuck together you're stuck with yeah. each other that that you know these that these two women even if they you know julia and sienna even if they you know sort of decide they don't agree they're they're still totally totally bound by by jason mm -hmm. um and their lives are really different, right? Because I mean, Julia has Aiden, yep. um, and you know that's her son, who's an adult, and he play he plays into it as well. Yeah. Um, and so there's, I love all those the sort of different layers of that. Um, so tell us, you know, how do you sort of, you know, what's your process like? You know, are you 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 obviously were thinking about this book while you were writing the last book. So is that sort mm -hmm. of normal for you, or is or do you usually sort of finish a project and then think, okay, now I got to come up with an idea for the next one? Are you one of those people who has like a book of ideas? In which case, this um, interview might be over. I'm just kidding. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, I definitely have a notes app of ideas, mm -hmm. but they are incoherent mm -hmm. and things I jot down in the middle of the night and things I think are brilliant. And then it's just like, they go to a cabin and something happens. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> cool. There's half a setting. Um, <laughs> so I, yeah, I, when I get to the end of a project, I st sort of start, my mind starts kind of like wandering to the next thing, but nothing super concrete. Um, but then once I have a premise that I'm really excited about, and I, I pretty much know who the characters are, I always have to figure out what the ending is going to be. Yeah. Um, like I always need to bookend it with the beginning and the end. And then once I know those two things, um, I figure out, okay, well, what is going to be the middle of this story? What is going to be the midpoint twist or reveal or discovery that sends the characters whirling in a new direction? Um, and then once I have those three main things, I kind of fill in from, okay, to, from the beginning, I have to go from here. What do I, what needs to happen to get to that midpoint? Mm -hmm. And then from the midpoint, what needs to happen to get to the ending? And of course, that makes it sound so much easier than it I know. Is. Right, of it's course. Really, like a torturous process that takes a long time. But um, yeah, so that's that's my process, and I'm, I do a lot of outlining. I like I outline the whole thing, and then I outline right before I write each chapter. I outline the chapter. Wow. Um, okay. I'm definitely a plotter. <laughs> I love that. I know. I've always. I mean, I I'm an, I'm envious of plotters. I um yeah I don't know how to do that but um but I think that makes total sense to me so you sort of you're building structure right mm -hmm. with the three pillars basically and then you sort of bring the pillars together on each on each yeah. end um that makes sense and how long does that process of you know sort of like once you you know you're create you know the beginning and the end how long does it take you before you're sort of actually ready to write the book um it can be like it can be anywhere from like 
a few weeks to a couple of months, I think, mm -hmm. depending on how um, panicked I feel by the need to submit it, submit materials to my publisher and try to right. you know, get the next book contract and all of that. Um, yeah. But yeah, like I definitely, I even though I'm a huge plotter and all of that, and I do so much planning ahead of time, um, I still discover so much in the drafting process. And like, like, I always feel like I don't really know my characters at all until I start writing them. Um, and so in that, so in that way, like the beginning, it sort of like comes out in a rush and I can do that fairly quickly. But then as I'm like, okay, that's all I really knew about these people. Now I have to really get to know them. Yeah. Um, it starts to go a little slower. And then, so yeah, I don't, I'm, I, I kind of drifted from your question. I no, <laughs> no. I think the idea is like, it, it's just, a, I mean, it's, it takes as long as it takes probably. Yeah. And then, you know, and like you said, if, if the deadlines are looming, then you spend more out, you know, you're up later kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> and that may, I mean, that makes total sense to me. Um, I love the idea that, that, that your agent planted the seed that you, she has a wish list and you're like, okay, I'm just going to tackle one of these wish lists. How do no ideas normally come to you? It's usually like a, um, like a what if scenario. It's always, it's usually a what if question, um, which I know happens with a lot of writers. Like, um, you know, you can, you can be looking at like a normal scene, like a kid's birthday party that's happening as you're driving by. And then you're like, uh, what if a strange family suddenly showed up to this birthday party and swore they knew the family, but they had no idea who they were. I don't know. I'm making that up. Yeah. Yeah. Head. So, yeah. um, but right. so something that comes in like that, like an interesting uh, question that then like I can't stop thinking about, like that is usually where ideas come from. With my last book, The Family Plot, um, that I have to credit my husband because um, we were actually trying to, he was trying to help me title something else I was working on that just would not have a name. And I was like, I want something that speaks to the family aspect. So like something that leans toward that. And so he just came up with the first family related phrase he could think of and said the family plot. And I was like, no, that doesn't work for this at all. But that is a great title. And, totally. then, and then that was worming through my head for days. And then suddenly like the premise of that book just leapt in there. And I like ran into the bathroom while he was brushing his teeth and screamed it at him. And he was like, I don't know what's happening. Um, right. So right. usually usually it's the like kind of like oh what if and then that grows mm -hmm. but then sometimes my agent I guess says something and that sticks and sometimes my husband says something and yeah sometimes it's just like a little firecracker that's that is that's the way we love it right yeah um and so you know as you're doing the writing are you you know you sound you have sounds like you are also have a full-time job so how do you fit um or you know at least you're working for sure outside your books. How do you sort of yeah. schedule your life in order to sort of make all of this work? Yeah, so I actually, um, I was teaching full-time until a couple of years ago. I, I stopped teaching so that I could try to write full-time and see what that would be like, um, which so far has worked out. Um, but while I was teaching, it was definitely like, it was just kind of, I had to fit it in whenever I had a pocket of time. And luckily, I was pretty lucky in that my teaching schedule was mostly in the afternoons so that um, I would have like an hour and a half maybe in the morning that before I needed to get ready, before I needed to do anything else, I could have just for writing. And like, 
that seems like a not that long of a time um and it's not but there was something that was oddly freeing in that to me that would help me get more done because i kind of had this mindset like well it's only an hour and a half so anything i do is going to be a win because i can't be that productive in an hour and a half right. and somehow like that freed me to just like go 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 and then i i feel like I used to be more productive in that hour and a half than I am now. And I basically have the whole day. <laughs> Isn't that true? Um, I think that's totally, that is a real thing. Absolutely. It's like doing the writing sprints, you know, people talk yeah. about those yeah. um, where you just like, and I do that where I just set a timer for 15 minutes. I'm, I really have, I really, and I like, you know, you can, if you just refuse to do anything other than move your mm -hmm. fingers on the keyboard for 15 minutes, you can get a lot done. And I'm with you. If I have all day, uh, it takes me all day. Yeah. And if I have, you know, two hours, then I can do at least as much or sometimes more in those two mm -hmm. hours, which yeah. is so, so crazy. Yeah, so it's really counterintuitive, but <laughs> it totally is counterintuitive. So, so I want, I'm curious about Julia and Sienna. Did one of them sort of emerge sort of more fully formed in your head? Um, I actually, I always, um, think of Julia and Sienna as like two sides, two very distinct sides of myself, which uh -huh. is that Julia represents the side of me that is like completely non-confrontational, terrified of conflict, like won't say certain things, won't speak up sometimes because I'm like, I don't want to rock the boat and all that. And then Sienna represents the very different side of myself that is like, well, no, I'm going to claim my space and I am going to speak and I'm going to speak up and I'm going to say what I need to say. And if there's any kind of like injustice that happened, I'm going to rage against that. And I'm going to talk about that. And so like, those are both in me at the same time, which is strange because they're so opposite. Um, and so I thought it would be an interesting, like almost self exercise, like therapeutic thing for myself to separate those and give them to these two women. Um, and in that way, they sort of complement each other and they are able to like um, account for the things, the other's flaws. And like, so when Julia doesn't speak up, Sienna speaks for her. When Sienna starts to steamroll things and get a little out of control, Julia calms her down. Um, but I wanted to see like, you know, part of the journey of the book is both of them finding the other side of that thing for them, but also finding a balance. Like, where is the space where my voice um, is the most impactful and I'm comfortable in that space. And like, it was kind of like seeing what is that for myself too, um, in writing that. So because I felt so connected to both, so both of those women in that way, I feel like they were the easiest main characters I've ever, um, written in terms of like, just knowing who they are. And, um, and Sienna in particular, uh, was really, I don't want to say, I mean, I said it easy. It's never easy, but right, Sienna right. in particular we, yeah. was, um, just came to me the most complete, I think, um, because she's a lot of the things that I keep myself from saying sometimes. And so she was a way to push that out, which was really nice. Um, but yeah, so I just, I felt like they came more naturally to me than any other character I've written, maybe. Yeah, that's so interesting because, of course, we, you know, I think people do sort of say, well, which one, which character is you or is, is the mother here your mother or you know, all those <laughs> things you're like, no, 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 no. 
but um, but it is, I mean, I do think that there's probably a little of us in all of our characters, mm -hmm. right? Um, yeah. But to, to sort of think of it that way, because they are really different women. Um, mm -hmm. And I, I think that is, you know, that's an interesting, and if Sienna is fun and feisty, and you certainly wouldn't want to fight with her. I mean, I can, and I think that, you know, her personality probably makes, um, you know, Julia more reserved, right? I mean, yeah. that's the way sort of the dynamics with sisters works or the dynamic with friends, right? If we have friends who are super out, outspoken, then we tend to be sort of quieter and, and shyer around them, yeah. which I think that's totally natural. Yeah, um, exactly. Well, that is, I mean, so, so that is really fun. And then, you know, it's interesting too, this idea of, you know, this man in this, place where no one can speak to him and you know and Aiden I mean and the, the process for Aiden because I have you know sort of grown children they're 23 and 21 and the idea that he is seeing his dad in this light too was really I thought beautifully done the idea that you. you know that he's like I mean you're looking at your parent and thinking did he do this sort of horrible thing mm -hmm. so brava nice thank you <laughs> I really yeah, enjoyed I really, it I really wanted to like talk about that thing where um I mean we see this all the time when when even like like public figures are accused of something and people who have worked with them are like no 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 like that could not be the case and um but like coming when you're removed from it you're like well why couldn't that be the case like I right. but so I wanted to look at that in the context of this really close family of what is that like when the person that you believe is sort of the rock of your family is is uh maybe not the great person that you believe that they were right and how, and in a, i mean in a in an environment like high school you know the impact of that on a child is mm -hmm. so so the and so you know the conflict that happens then for the mother for julia the mother is also so you know the stakes are so much higher right because mm -hmm. your kid is going to take people are going to believe one thing or the other and you know children aren't very kind about how they express, you know, what they think about things. So it was, you know, Aiden's struggle was felt very genuine and real. And I appreciate that. I think it's really, it complicates the whole thing even more. Right. Mm. Yeah, so that medical coma, I mean, that's, that is, that's the perfect place, place to put that guy, you know, like yeah. he can't, can't defend himself. Mm -hmm. So, um, can you tell us, so, I know this is the thing I always feel bad about. Like, I'm like, okay, we love that book. Now what's <laughs> next? <laughs> Can you tell us a little bit about what you're working on? Yeah. So right now I'm working on, it's currently titled, who knows what it'll eventually be called, um, Cross My Heart. And it's about a woman who becomes romantically obsessed with the husband of her heart donor after she had a heart transplant even as rumors are swirling that he might've had something to do with his wife's premature death. Um, and she is not even supposed to know that he is the husband right. of her heart donor, but she knows a lot of things and she's good at finding things out. So it's a little, um, she's, she's definitely like a little unhinged, but she also <laughs> has this like heart of gold, no pun intended. Right. Um, and so she's a really fun character to write. And it's, it's going to be, I think, my like twistiest, potentially darkest yet, which is saying a lot for me with the yeah. darkness. <laughs> um, so I'm really excited about it. I mean, I'm still, I'm in, I'm still in the trenches of it very right. much, but right. Um, but yeah, that's that's what's ahead. Well, that's a great premise, and I, you know, mm -hmm. I think, you know, I speaking of darkness, you know, obviously I'm a big fan of darkness. My books are also very dark, 
So, you know, what do you, what do you think? Like, I think people sometimes say, at least they did to me when I started and I've been doing this for 20 years and people would look at me and be like, how can somebody so sweet, write Such dark stuff. Or, you know, why does, you know, as a woman, aren't you sort of, doesn't it make you recoil to write such dark stuff? And so, you know, what do you think? Where does the darkness come from? Why do we write like that? Yeah, I always get that comment too of like, you look so sunny and cheerful here, but in here, um, yeah, I I think that we are dark on the page so we can be sunny and cheerful in life. Um, mm-hmm. And that that is a place to put all of that um, fear, I think is what it is a lot of times in these scenarios. Um, and also, it's a place to validate our fears, I think, because especially as women, like we live with a lot of possibilities that um, men don't. Mm-hmm. And um, and to create stories out of that, of these bad things that can happen, um, it's a way to to like sort of honor that truth that this is a more dangerous world for anyone who's not a man. Um, and uh, and I think for us to have a safe place of our own creation to explore that is really important. Yeah, it's like a way of processing it too, right? Yeah. Of sort of like figuring out, you know, what the impacts of that are on the women that it happens to and on mm-hmm. the world. And, you know, and maybe in some small way of making, you know, growing awareness about it so that maybe someday it um, becomes less. We'll see. Yeah right yeah. <laughs> um okay well th- so the the thicker than water is out on july 11th mm-hmm. and that is super fun and our um when you're listening to this it will be july 13th and the book is out in the world and you should go grab your copy if you are a megan collins fan you will not be disappointed if you're not yet a megan collins fan now's a great chance to become one um really enjoy this megan you are you. super talented and i'm glad i'm not part of your family or at least <laughs> in, in any of your books Bye. Yeah. (laughs) Thank you so much. Thank you so much for joining us, everyone. This is Killer Women with Megan Collins. I'm Danielle Gerard, and we will see you next time. Bye.